0: Welcome to the Startup of the Year podcast, where each episode we showcase exciting new companies from around the world. This podcast is produced by Established, creators of the Startup of the Year program. Established is focused on helping organizations with their innovation, startup, and communication strategies.
1: Hello, everybody. It's Frank Gruber. I'm the host of the Startup of the Year podcast. Welcome back. On today's episode, we've got one of our alumni, our startup of the year from twenty sixteen, Shearshare, is going to be joining us from just outside of Dallas, Texas. We've got the founders, Courtney and Ty Caldwell. They're going to be joining us and sharing a little bit more about what they've been up to about the app. It's a uh, a special app. It's the first on demand salon and barbershop rental uh, space rental app. And so. They, they've been blazing the path in that regard for almost like five, six years now, and they're gonna share a li- their latest update on how things have been going. Um, they've, they've, been, they've had a lot of notables, like they obviously won our Startup of the Year, but they've also been noted uh, in a number of different um, places like Fast Company, um, Black Enterprise, uh, L'Oreal, the, the cosmetic company um, named share, sheer the winner of their 2017 uh, Women in Digital uh, Next Generation Award. Um, they've gotten investment from, from a number of people as well. So lots of great things going on with Shearshare. Before we get started, though, I wanted to, to give you an update about the Startup Year program. We're blazing ahead. It's halfway through the year. We're going to be looking to do our summit in the fall, in November, the 9th and 10th at your home by doing it online. So we're going to be doing this one online. It's not going to be an actual location. You're going to just tune in on the Internet and, and, and basically interact just like a lot of the events we've been doing lately Uh, due to the current pandemic situation we did not want to put anybody at risk so November 9th and 10th mark your calendar there should be an invite coming out soon you're going to want to sign up for that and be a part of that that summit and we hope to reach more people obviously now that we can do it online as well so um, our next event that's going to qualify one of our companies for our finals we're going to have 100 startups down there at the summit uh, all competing for startup of the year one of the companies that uh, is going to be fast-tracked is going to come out of an upcoming event here on july 23rd at 1 p.m eastern we're going to be hosting a special startup of the year online pitch event that's focused on spotlighting u.s veteran founders so it's going to be all kind of as we rev up for our newest um uh, uh, part of our our competition which is our dot u.s veteran startup of the year so we're going to be naming the dot u.s veteran startup of the year this year in november which will allow us to name that award but also give $10,000 to the winner. So if you're a, a US veteran or a, um, a spouse or a dependent of a US veteran, you should definitely apply for that program and uh, be in the be in the running for that uh, that prize and obviously um, winning that award as well. So our latest event though, July 23rd, we'll, host, we'll showcase about a handful of companies. We'll have a number of uh, basically judges and ve- uh, investors on that as well and fast track one of those companies. So go to startupofyear.com to sign up for that event. It's going to be a good one. July 23rd at 1 p.m. Eastern. Mark your calendars. We've also been working with a number of others, uh, other different programs. Um, We partnered with the Greater Colorado Venture Fund for their upcoming pitch competition on July 30th, where they're going to be investing in some of the early stage companies in rural Colorado. So go out there on the internet, look up Greater Colorado Venture Fund. You should be able to find out more about this series uh, that's going to be happening July 30th. It's going to be a good one. It's going to have some real notable people on it, and they're going to be giving away big checks to early stage companies out of rural Colorado. All right. Oh, one more thing. If you haven't already, go to our YouTube channel. We've been putting out some of these live events live, as well as releasing them later uh, as well, so you can follow up and watch some of this, the educational ones. Like We just put out a um, our South by Southwest pitch, which got canceled, or sorry, South by Southwest panel that got canceled uh, due to COVID-19. We just had our, our panel join us uh, last week and produce the event, and it it was a good one. So it, it really talks all about the fact that government uh, agencies are now looking to startups for innovation. So we had um, a great panel discussion with um, somebody from Afworks AF Ventures, as well as um, NASA iTech and uh, our own Our own team as well as as well as our our latest startup the year winner. So it's a great conversation. You're gonna want to check it out. There's a lot of non-dilutive capital out there for startups that are doing interesting things or innovating. And it may not be the innovations that you think might the government might be interested in. So I think it's important for any startup to maybe take a look and see if it might apply because it very well could. And you could have potentially uh, contracts with the government that would allow you to continue to bolster and build your business and obviously have a great customer there too so go check that out it's on our youtube channel if you go to the established youtube channel um, you should be able to find it and um, definitely subscribe to our channel so you get the updates there Uh, a lot of great great content we're putting out all right so before we let's get started now let's catch up with our sheer share co-founders we've got courtney and ty caldwell who are joining us they're the 2016 startup of the year and uh, they were obviously invested in by us as being part of that, but also having been in, uh, invested in by folks like Arlen Hamilton uh, from Backstage Capital, Charles Hudson from Pre- Precursory Ventures, um, Rise of the Rest Fund, which is, you know, Steve Case's, the AOL Founders uh, Fund as well, uh, as you know, and, and working with uh, folks like David Hall and Anna Mason uh, in D.C. on that. So let's catch up with Courtney. Hey, Courtney and Ty, how are you guys doing?
2: Hey, Frank.
1: Hello, hello good to hear
2: you. Good to get to hear from you again. It's been a minute.
1: It has. yeah, thanks, thanks for joining. Uh, just so listeners are up to speed. can you kind of give walk us through the uh, shear share kind of experience? What is it all about?
2: Yeah, yeah, so Shearshare is actually the first uh, mobile app that connects um, salon and barbershop owners who have an empty uh, space to individual licensed cosmetologists and barbers so they can rent by the day. Uh, many people call us Hair BNB, which is um, exactly what uh, the platform is. Uh, but however, we have um, added additional layers to the Shearshare mobile marketplace so that it really does serve the independent providing tool that they need to grow and manage their small business on their terms. We just happen to be starting with space to work.
1: All right, great. And where did the idea come from? You two are a couple of panors. You st- we, how did this all <laughs> kind of formulate? That's funny
0: you ask. You know, uh, this idea
1: came from a problem
0: we was just trying to solve ourselves. Uh, myself, uh, I've been in the industry for over thirty years. Uh, I've been a salon and barbershop owner for o- over two decades. So, you know, back in 2012, when we was, you know, ex- uh, up, up branding, rebranding, and expanding our salon, you know, we realized, okay, well, we see that there's a shift in the industry, and you know, we did not know at that same time the shift was licensed beauty professionals, independent and those ones who are on commission base were were realizing that they were a business amongst themselves. They wanted to be transient. They wanted to work when they wanted to, where they wanted to. And a stylist came by my shop and was like, you know what? I'm actually moving to the other side of town um, and I'm, I'm leaving about 15 to 25 clients and I would love to continue you know, servicing those clients, but I can't you know, uh, sign a long-term lease. Is there a way that you can allow me to work a couple of days a week, every other week, so that I can come continue to service these clients. And at first when she told me, you know, nothing like that had ever been brought to my attention uh, at that time from any stylist, no one had ever asked. And I didn't know too much about it. Now I know that people, you know, try to do a little work uh, within their homes or you know, try to go to clients to their homes or meet people where they need to meet them, but not in the,
1: the space of business. When did that start? What year are we talking? Did this start? Take us back. You were, was that 2015, 2016?
2: Even earlier. 2012 was when we started. When we got that first phone call from the, the stylist. Wow. Um, we didn't even start thinking about an app till probably what end of 2015. Yeah. Yeah, and then it, it took some months after that for us to, you know, sit down and figure out how the heck do you even start you know, a, a tech company. Cause we, we hadn't heard the word startup before that was definitely not in our repertoire on a day-to-day basis. You know, i had been working at Oracle. Um, I've been in corporate America actually for 20 years working B2B technology marketing and saw really a path to retirement at Oracle. I just, I was enjoying myself. I loved having, um, uh, responsibility across five continents, was doing demand generation and innovation. And so I really saw a long term uh, career there. Uh, but when my husband said, hey, we need to do this thing, I was like, all right, well, let's, let's jump and do it. Like, why not? And so um, we came across a friend of ours um, who was in the startup world. I, I hesitate to say friend, because at the time we didn't know her that well. She'd just been an acquaintance that I had met on LinkedIn. And she had mentioned the word startup before and so I, we had gone back to her and said, hey, remember you said this word startup? Like, what is that? And she was explaining it to us. And we said, oh, well, we, we've been doing this. You know, we thought about, gosh, there needs to be like an app for this. There seems to be an app for everything else right now. You know, what are your thoughts on that? Now, mind you, um, she's the kind of gal who, um, who can't walk from her car to the grocery store without getting pitched, right? And so um, it, it was something, it was just a very, unique moment where you kind of the stars aligned. And so in that conversation, she helped us uh, get introduced to a third-party engineering firm. And that was like, what, 2016? Yeah, Yeah, that was like 2016. And then um, we went through uh, Techco Startup of the Year, now Established Startup of the Year. That was our very first stage pitching on, believe it or not. I I even go back sometimes, yeah, very first. I even go back sometimes and watch uh, the pitch because it's so, it's not just humbling, it's just like, wow, like we started there. had no idea what to include in a pitch had no idea what to talk about like what kind of slide deck do you show to investors had never spoken with investors before and so we really appreciate uh, you guys' support early on
1: oh yeah definitely we, we we well you gave a heck of a pitch i think jeff clavier had a really great comment i think you knocked his socks off with that pitch uh, and he's you know from uh, at the time he was at uh well, they renamed it it's called Uncork capital now but mm-hmm. um, he's a big investor in the valley and he he saw he was part of our finals judges and said some really nice things so um, now rewalk walk us through so you win that and then you continue to do to chug along you we, we, we invest in you um, as part of a round but then you were kind of continuing to raise you go over to Google Google demo day mm-hmm. right tell us mm-hmm. what happened there
2: Well, so even before then, you know, because of the win um, at Techco, uh, because of the win at Startup of the Year, we were kind of fast-tracked to one of our choice of um, accelerator programs, right? And again, this was a new world for us. Um, During the time when we had been told we were top five, when we were back in the room, kind of rehearsing um, and drawing up our script, we had called our um, advisors at YC Fellowships. We'd just gone through that program. At the time, it was an online program. They provide a 20K grant. And we said, hey, we have this opportunity. These are the five accelerators that if the winner so chooses, they kind of get fast-tracked through the system. Who would you recommend? And they said, well, based on where you guys are, um, we recall um, we would really highly recommend 500 startups. And so uh, as we were, you know, chosen to be number one, that was why we selected 500 startups. And that was probably right. the best, best decision that we made. So going through 500 Startups batch 19 and then going through Google Demo Day, um, it, it was there was nothing unlike it uh, because we had never raised you know, money before from. Uh, angel investors or, you know, friends and family didn't have, you know, funds. We didn't even know what, what a friends and family round was. Um, and then getting introductions into VC firms and talking about, um, you know, how we are truly disrupting uh, the beauty and barbering industry. It, all that was, those were all first for us.
1: Right. So, so you definitely, it was a learning process along the way. And it sounds like 500 and, and just going through all that, Helped kind of educate you guys on the process, and mm-hmm. and then you you win you win demo day. You get uh, you get some investment from Revolution. Is that right?
2: Yep, exactly. Yep. Steve Case, founder of AOL, he has uh, Rise of the Rest um, with JD Vance, uh, yep. with Team David Paul, and whatnot. And so yeah, those guys um, saw something you know very special in us, and and so we decided to take them on as investment partners. They've been nothing but phenomenal. Uh, but then what came with that was um, you know Charles Hudson at Precursor Ventures, right. uh, Jillian Gillian Manis at structure capital, um Arlen Hamilton was actually the first VC check ever that we received, um, a backstage capital. Um, and the list goes on. So so yes, we have now raised, you know, over a million in VC funds.
1: Excellent. And obviously you continue to grow the product and the team through there for the last couple of years. And then wham, bam, here you are out raising another round and we have a global pandemic. So can you share, (laughs) share us with us how that's impacted um, your business? And obviously with, with things being closed because of the pandemic, obviously it's probably taking a little bit of a toll, but how you guys are rebounding and where you're, where you're going from there.
2: Yeah, it's like pick pick your poison, right? You got three pandemics going on, but but yeah, I remember very clearly. Um, second weekend March was when um, you know the booking started to slow down and people started to ask for um, rescheduling. You're like, what's what, what's going on? Now we had heard a little bit about um, you know the coronavirus, COVID 19, um, that people were getting sick and having to be hospitalized. We were actually supposed to be speaking at um, uh, what's the Austin event south by southwest Southwest, thank you and so when that was canceled that really opened our eyes and so um so yeah march revenues you know towards the middle of that month went to zero april there were no salons and barbershops open across the country and so we're sitting here thinking okay so what's next but we weren't you know discouraged right because we had we've been here before like we we've been in the industry for almost 30 years now um you know we've survived Ebola, we've survived Y2K, we survived the 2007, the 08 recession, right? And so we know beauty and barbering is one of those industries that rebounds um, tremendously. Actually, during the last economic depression, um, we added more jobs in the industry uh, more than any other, uh, any other sector in the market. And so, we're, we're, not su- so we're, we're not surprised by the uptick that we assume will happen and is happening as we speak. But yeah, it wasn't a good feeling um, right. knowing that all the businesses had to close.
1: Yeah. It's like, it's not like anything I've ever seen. You know, I think that's the thing that's um, kind of was eerie for all of us. Right. When is the last time you saw all businesses shut down? <laughs> like that just doesn't happen. So
0: exactly. that was very unique to this industry because going through all the things we went through that no this industry has always been able to recover. Right. And so we had to kind of now re educate ourselves and, and pivot, not just as tech startup founders, but also the industry had to pivot as, you know, businesses and, you know, where do we go from Europe being that, you know, we at the time were considered non-essential. So we really had to just really think about what the next phase of jumping back into this thing was like, because as a licensed professional, you know, about 87 to 97% of our education is due to sanitation, health precautions, and all of those things. So we knew that we could handle um, just the, 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 the way we connected with the people and the way they're present. So it wasn't so much that it was just the politicians didn't understand just the flow because they just thought, okay, well, we got to do this. But putting in those different, uh, uh, guidelines of how to service the clients by one-on-one contact six feet apart, those are things that we could easily implement and just go from there.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. And how, how has it been? Like, I know it's been now three four months. Um, we're still in it. We're still seeing things flare up in different areas. Even where you guys are down in Texas, it's, um, yeah. it's running, running yeah. pretty crazy yeah. right now uh, with, with the virus. Um, mm-hmm. how is, how are things, how are you guys weathering the storm right now? And where do you see, where do you see you guys yeah. going from here?
2: Yeah, well in Texas, we are definitely a little bit more hard headed than other areas of the country. That's a given that people are seeing now. Um, now that we're officially a hotspot. Uh, but, um, I will say that, you know, in, in in years past, months past, when we were out fundraising, I remember distinctly having conversations with investors who said, hey, you know, what, what we feel you guys should do is just focus on one area, like tackle New York or tackle Los Angeles or tackle Dallas, Texas, and then, um, you know, kind of copy and paste that same um, growth plan across America. And can I tell you, I'm so excited that we did not do that, job, that, we, that didn't do that, Frank, because mm-hmm. what ended up happening... Is that we saw, um, well, first of all, we listened to the market and the stylists were telling us that they didn't want to just be in one place. They needed lots of options and there are stylists everywhere. And so I'm very grateful that we listened to the market instead of, you know, the quote unquote startup experts, because uh, when Texas came back on, you know, we started to see bookings happen again. And Texas now is responsible for 33 percent of our bookings um, since the COVID, what we're calling the COVID quarter, those crazy three months or so. Mm-hmm. Um, New York is still uh, trying to come back online. California saying there are still cities in Cali that have not been turned on. And so if we had done that, we would have really been shooting ourselves in the foot because we would have only had a foothold in one particular geographic area. And so because um, sure share is now across 625 cities, we we can get stylists back to work immediately. Um, right. We not only did that, but we uh, we came up with a reopen with care strategy um, and plan that we shared out with all of our shear shares. Also shared that out on social media so that um, if they weren't a part of the shear share community, they could take advantage of that. Things like a client health statement uh, template that they could use. We really uh, dug hard into um, education um, and not just how to cut you know how to do the newest haircut or the newest balayage. It was all about What do people care about right now? Well, they cared about what the heck is PPP and how can I get, you know, take advantage of that? What is an EIDL? How do I need to um, apply for that? Where do I go to apply for that? You know, what if I don't have a bank account? What's going to happen to that stimulus check that the government has been promising me? And so we did um, a lot of education and actually created over 100 pieces of new content that were just for um, how to get people to get more money in their bank accounts just so they could feed their families and not be, um, have a roof over their heads.
1: That's, a, that's a fantastic plan and, and of attack with, with what's going on. I mean, putting your, you know, cause otherwise what are you, gonna, you, you could just sit and do nothing, right. Which is yeah. just makes you more anxious, <laughs> right. Yeah. But you yeah. guys went out and did something to help these, these different salons and, and obviously help move things forward. Um, so yeah, yeah that's, I think that's the best you can do at this per- current situation. And then, obviously, we're in the middle of a pandemic. And then all of a sudden, um, you, you see the horrific things happening in the country. Um, I think, you know, it have been ha- happening for a long time. And, mm-hmm. you know, obviously, both being um, black founders, I wanted to just bring up the fact that, um, you know, you're both black founders and have raised funds have done it at a high level um how has that affected you guys for the, the current situation with the black lives matter movement and all the protests and everything can you share a little bit about um the position you guys have been put in and, and how it's um how you guys are, are reacting from it
0: well you know it's, it's it's such an apropos uh statement thank you for asking that you know but you know we as black founders uh courtney and i you know co-founders being um husband and wife team as well we've always felt like there was uh, a disproportion of fairness of and the way that, you know, we've been looked at as founders, not just being American because we had to deal with that on our own, but then being black, we went in there with two things working against us. Uh, and, and that's not against everyone, but we know that people do look at color and we know that people do look um, at what they feel is the way they see um, not just black founders, but black people and so we always wanted to go in and, and show ourselves um, highly um, skilled uh, and experts in what we do and we always felt like we had to go in there with the mindset of being you know two or three steps ahead because we knew that we just couldn't go in the investors with an idea we actually had to have something we also knew that we could not just go and ask for money if we didn't have skin in the game so it was a lot of things that worked against us but we always tried to edit ourselves as Black people, so that people could say, okay, well, we know that they're different, but we, we're, we're, we're no different. Uh, we're, we're just like all the other Black panels. We're working hard at what we're doing. We're trying to provide something not just unique to this industry, but unique to this world and give people an opportunities. And sometimes we see that our color gets in the way. So mm-hmm. at this time, uh, with all the things that are going on, the George Floyd, the COVID-19, uh, the Black Lives Matter, all these things have, you know, in a lot of sense, brought a lot of things to light, yet, we want people to understand, especially our white uh, uh, brothers and sisters, uh, the, the the venture capitalists, the angel investors, all those that are really looking at the ideas that black founders are bringing. These are great ideas. And I think sometimes they, they don't really care if they're great. They just say, okay, as a black founder, you know, I would rather give my money to uh, a kid from Stanford who doesn't know anything about, you know, failing, but just the fact that he's white and he's he's unique in his own way, he's went to get that education. We're going to, we're going to put our money on him. But if us being, if it's the pattern match and, right. and just us as, as black founders, because we we're doing the hard work, we, we have the expertise, we have the, the, the years behind us that have shown that we can, can build something great, but we also black and our intelligence has nothing to do with our color. It, it, if anything, it should right. show you that, okay, guys, you know, this is a black family. They're doing something to make this world better. Uh, let's look into this. But sometimes our color gets in the way of some of the investors. And, you know, we understand that, but still we, we work hard and this is nothing new to us. We've been dealing with this for decades, centuries, you know, 400 years. And if you want right. to count, the, um, if you want to count, you know, all the time during the uh, Jim Crow era, you're talking about now another 50 years. So 450 years. It's nothing new to us. And, yeah.
2: Know, unlike, you know, George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, right? People mm-hmm. When people see us, they see first our skin color. And even our very first investor meeting out in the valley, um, the investor, as soon as we sat down before we could even pop open our our laptop with the demo, um, made a comment about our race. And so like that was our introduction to Silicon Valley world of investing.
1: Wow. That's, yeah, that's, I'm sorry that that happened. I mean, that, that you know, obviously um, we support you guys and we want you guys to be successful and we appreciate what you do. And and obviously, want to see a change in the world too. So, um, let us know if we can help with anything that like that, because that's that's horrible. That should not be happening. Right. Um, I,
2: I agree, it shouldn't be happening. But it, it's unfortunately it the the expectation. Honestly, yep. when when you just when you are black you have to be 10 times better. You unfortunately don't get the luxury of failing and saying, Oh, you know, I raised 40 million and I had to close the company in two, two years. And we've heard plenty of stories like that. It's like a badge of honor for, for our white counterparts, but it right. is, you know, the humongous failure and a note to investors like, Oh, see, I, that's why I can't invest in black founders when it happens. Right. To,
1: right. That makes, yeah, I hear you. So it's again, pattern matching. They're trying to mm-hmm. fit everything in a box. Um, okay. Well, let's um, shift gears slightly, though. I want, for any founders out there, black founders, um, minority founders of any any type, um, can you share like some things that maybe like that you would help help them maybe consider when, when starting or running a business? Because you've done it now for a while, and you guys are, you know, you've been you've been you started bootstrapping, and it, it sounds like in two thousand twelve, continued it for a long time now. It's almost been ten years, and um, want to you guys to share some of those insights.
0: Well, definitely, I I tell people, uh, and I just had this conversation with uh, a potential business owner the other day uh, that was visiting us. Um, It always starts with relationships. Uh, You have to, you have to kind of know what you're getting ready to get into. You have to be ready for it. You know, a lot of times, corporate-minded people don't have the same mindset as entrepreneurship-minded people, Uh, and so it's different. But we always believe in relationships. We always believe in people that are there for us because you need that support. You know, you can have an idea, but if you don't have a foundation of support, you, you, you're going to put other people's beliefs of, of how things could happen or how things could be built uh, are going to be put on you. So, you know, you have to really make sure that you have a strong support system. And we tell them that, but to always stay focused. And, and, and something that we learned a long time ago when we were starting our business uh, is that someone told us, whatever you do, do not give up. Always continue to hang in there. And so we've always been pretty scrappy uh, about that. And even when we've gone through tough times, we've never even thought about quitting. Oh, no. You know what I'm saying? That's just not something that we even think about doing. And I think sometimes mm-hmm. when I've seen other founders uh, go to uh, a certain amount of money and say, you know, we can't do this anymore just because they can't, they're can't, they scared to get zero, we don't have a problem with that. Uh, but what I would tell Black founders is just to stay focused, never give up and continue to strive but really, really stay focused on the, the support system and who, who can you go to because there's always people in your back pocket that are there for you and you just haven't thought about it.
2: Yeah, and I would add, too, that, you know, know, our community is very strong. It's always been extremely resilient, right? And so, um, you know, one of the things, again, that Ty and I did, you know, we, we doubled down on product development during the COVID quarter, but we also spent a lot of time, again, just asking questions of people, like, what do you need today? Like, how are you feeling today? I can't tell you how many crying sessions we had on the phone with folks who were just at a loss. They had never been here before, never experienced this. Some people had just opened their salons like last October. And so wow. they were you know, very scared. And so I'm very happy to say that, you know, our efforts with um, helping people through the EIDL and the PPP, we actually helped over 100 business owners uh, receive PPP after, get this, Frank, right, after being denied the very first time. So wow. these are all people who have been denied, had all their paperwork in line. And we're told no that first round and then we helped them and they were able to come back out. So I say all that to say, you know, to, to our fellow black founders out there, you know, it, focus your energies where you're going to get the biggest impact. And for us in this case, we could have easily sat down and, and cried a river, right? And said, oh, no, woe is me. But instead we said there's way too many people out there who are hurting. And we've been through, you know, hard times before. We know we're going to get through it. It's just a matter of when. So let's turn our energies um, and our spirits on people, and, and how can we best help them right now? And That's what we did.
1: Wow! So that's both great advice and, and great um, impact that you guys made in that time. I mean, bravo to you guys! I mean, that's awesome. Thank you for doing that work. That's it's. And first off, you know the the whole. Uh, whole, uh, loan situation was, was re- difficult to begin with, <laughs> you know, like, and then to get that and to, he- to get the rejection. And then obviously, yeah, a lot of people would just give up, but you guys didn't and you ended up helping other people not give up too. So it really shows how strong you guys are and, and okay, let's, let's switch gears slightly. I want to talk a little bit about your current status and like what you've been up to. And I know you guys are out raising funds and maybe, um, yeah. talk a little bit about that and what, what, what's next and maybe, um, some tips and tricks maybe from that as well.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So we, we are currently raising our, our seed round. Um, we thought that we had the round closed before COVID. And then, you know, the series of, you know, the world coming to an end and the sky is falling, you know, kind of um, halted that. So monies, there were some monies that weren't wired. So we're still actively um, talking, taking meetings with investors. Um, it's, it's going OK. You know, it's, it's it's a little interesting to have a, a, a pitch via Zoom, but we're, we're getting used to that. Um, we actually have a, a local pitch um, here in Texas that'll be the end of this week, and that'll be our first one in person in a long time. So that'll that'll feel probably really good. Uh, but yeah, we're we're actively raising right now, and the the good thing is that we're seeing um, conversations happen. The bad thing is that we're not seeing, and not just for us, but for other Black founders as well. We're seeing that people are out there saying that they want to support Black founders. Hey, send me your deck. You know, here's my personal email, which they may not have been forthright in sharing before but we have not seen um, the impact of that. We haven't seen the results come from that. People right. say, yeah, we support Black Lives Matter. We're opening up you know, X number of millions on, on, in our investment portfolio just for Black founders, but we have yet to hear um, from some of our friends and colleagues that they actually receive a check.
1: Interesting, that's really interesting mm-hmm. to hear. Um, because you're definitely seeing it like publicly, like out there mm-hmm. in the ether, like oh, we're doing mm-hmm. a lot more investing, or we're we're looking at a, a lot more black founders and and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But to hear the feedback side of it, so I'd love to obviously get the statistics on that for sure, because it's it's not going to be yeah. um it's not going to be <laughs> hidden a hidden thing, right? These are yeah, things yeah, that need to be do. out and reported um, to the SEC. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I guess so. Next, so I guess for you guys, like. Any tips or tricks for pitching on Zoom? Like how you know how how has that been comparatively? I know it's it's got to be difficult. You guys do really great pitch in person, so I, I'm it's hard to do on Zoom, I assume.
2: Yeah, we we have to sit very close together. Thankfully, I kind of like this guy, so uh, we, we're both mushed into the screen, and, and we try to make sure we always have a background that has um, the logo and the company information on it, so like our website and like Instagram, just because people may you know forget or you know just whatever the case is, and so we just try to make the environment um, you know as pleasant and as brand easy as possible. Uh, But nothing, nothing really changes. We're just not standing up, you know, when we're pitching. um, We're still, we're still sharing how we are helping to get people back to work immediately. Um, And now that, you know, COVID has hit, and we're fighting these other couple of pandemics, um, you know, economic mobility is huge. And so, you know, we're able to um, literally get a butt in a seat and have someone work and be able to pay their bills that same day. Um, And so that's huge. And that's across more than 600 cities now where we're able to, you know, support local economies. And so we don't take that for granted. So that, that's really the, the biggest point, I think, that we try to push home when we're on those Zoom
1: calls. That makes sense. And that's what drives you guys, I assume. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, definitely. Every day. Every day. Um, so let's, let's kind of go out and play, um, put that you know, vision cap on. Where do you guys see the company going, you know, short-term, long-term goals, and maybe like five years from now? You know, we get past this crazy pandemic and the current situation in the world. Where do you want this to go?
0: Well, we want to go all the way to, to, to IPO, of course. Uh, but we definitely, next five years, we 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 have a, a lot of people that are interested in our platform uh, from all uh, forms of this, this this industry. And so we we know that what we're building is necessary and needed. And we know that you know not just COVID, but even before that, we know the licensed professionals, independents, are uh, that the numbers are just ramping up more and more. So uh, there's going to always be commission-based salons. So there's going to always be salary employee-based stylists, uh, but we know that the business amongst themselves are licensed professionals. The, the the customer believes in the licensed professional. That is a business amongst itself. Mm-hmm. And we'll never forget the brick and mortar. That's a business amongst itself. Mm-hmm. So we know that we are creating something in this pattern of match B2B that's so totally different. So in the next two to five years, that's what we're driving. We're driving that more so. And we want to make sure that, that that there is creating an ecosystem but not only that, we're we're looking at ads. We're looking at selling products. Uh, we're looking. We already now provide you know insurance uh, an insurance layer. We also provide a merchant layer. So just giving everybody the ecosystem. Yeah, you have all these platforms. You have the Craigslist. You have the Indeed. You have the uh, Instagrams. But there is no uh, ecosystem like a share share that provides that to a to a level at scale. And so those are the things that we're doing now to continue to guide. Uh, these licensed professionals to a platform that works just for them. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, traditional salons and barbershops were already facing disruption prior to COVID. Um, and and so this really just gave us another opportunity to reimagine how stylists manage and grow their small businesses, right? And and even with all the surveys that we did, because that was one thing we could do was, you know, write code and talk to users. Um, you know, the way that people are thinking about uh, when they work, where they work and how they work, like it looks... Uh, 10 times different than it did just six months ago. And so um, thankfully, you know, we're providing the tools um, and meeting them where they are, like literally on their mobile devices so that they really can create that economic mobility, economic advancement for themselves. Because like Ty said, they are businesses unto themselves.
1: I love that. And loving, I love the platform ability there with creating the tools for everyone that Mm -hmm. that needs them. Um, You know, everything from some of the things you mentioned, like getting the the PPE, uh, P loans, um, mm-hmm. you know, getting those loans and things like that, that's another step in that same direction. Right. And now they need to figure out how do I, I, I could see you guys integrating with things like um, an Intuit or QuickBooks or something like that to help mm-hmm. people figure out how do they get those tax returns done and, and whatnot. So right. um, that's really cool. I love it. Uh, one final question, just because I'm in need. Uh, when <laughs> when are we going to see a more of an uptick in like being able to go into salons and things like that? <laughs> I definitely need a haircut so bad. So <laughs> I'm thinking about doing it myself. It's a little risky. Don't do it.
0: Yeah. Don't do it. It, if you do, just get around the ears and maybe a little <laughs> bit off the top, but do not do anything major. Don't butcher yourself. But right. I will say this right here: this is what I'll say. Um, if if you're not gonna go to your local, uh, the one the one that you consider consistently go to, you know, look online. You know, Google, uh, Google businesses and 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 listen to what they're saying. So at my salon, we make people sign health statements, and and we do it we do it digitally. And so it kind of gives you an idea of what that person's doing. We've also added a whole nother layer of safety and precautions. So not only mm-hmm. do we have to do it by a law, the regulations and laws of our state, but we also have to do it now through the barbicide laws, We also now the guidelines. We also have to do it through the CDC guidelines. And they added an extra layer, uh, which was uh, OSHA. So we are really, really ramped up. Our clients are very, very safe. Uh, they, they share with us. That guideline will really stop people in their tracks because if they've been around someone that was probably, you know, uh, uh, that had COVID or were were connected to someone who knew someone, that's going to stop them in their tracks of even coming into the business. So make sure that you're talking to someone who's following guidelines, who makes it very safe, who's sanitizing the chairs, who's changing capes out every time, changing out gloves, uh, wiping the door handles of the entrance, the exit, the bathroom doors, uh, all those things right there are going to make you feel safe. One of the things, and and all of our clients are loving it. And so I get a chance to kind of go up there since we're not traveling as much. And they all share with me that they're so happy and they feel so safe once they leave their homes away from their family and then come back. Yeah. So those are the things that you can look at. But definitely do your research in your city. I'm sure there are some salons and barbershops that are offering a very very safe haven for the customer. And I think that they're out there. So. Don't be too scared, but don't, don't, don't put so much fear in you to a point to where you just can't step out of your home and create this bubble. Get out there. Someone is out there that's able to give you a nice haircut and make you feel in a safe environment to get you back home safe and right
1: Thank you. That's great advice. I, I'm, I'm definitely going to have to check into that. I was hoping that someone would come to my driveway and just do it outside, but I haven't found that <laughs> offering yet. Um, someday, maybe. Um, but And obviously, Jen's not going to do it for me. Oh, that's no. just scary. So <laughs> yeah, I <was> thinking,
0: like,
1: <laughs> let, let me say this
0: right here. Let me say this right here, Frank. You know that that's that's commendable if they were, but at the same time, this industry is a very touch friendly industry, and we, we that's all we do. So you want to be careful. Just because they're coming to your house, they could actually put something. They could actually been around someone that have coronavirus. So you don't want to bring them right. to your house just because you feel safe that they're you're outside. Mm-hmm. And I know that we're saying it as pun, but at the end of the day, your your safety needs to be within. The, 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 controlled. the controlled environment. And also, you got to go back to your child, you got to go back to your wife. And I'm sure that they're probably seeing people from there and, and getting close to people where they maybe or maybe not, but you want to make sure you feel safe.
1: That's a great point. I didn't even think of that. You're right. Like why bring it to your doorstep when you could do it somewhere in a more controlled environment? So excellent advice. You guys know your stuff. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining today. Really appreciate it. Where can they find you? If they, if if we've got investors listening, want to share or others that want to connect with you, how yeah. can they connect?
2: Yeah, they can connect actually directly. You can email me at Courtney at Shearshare.com. Um, our website has plenty of information, especially for stylists who are trying to get back to work now and a need space to work, a safe, sanitized space to work. That's just Shearshare.com. And then feel free to follow along with all the education that we're putting out um, on our IG channel. And that's just at Shearshare.
1: Thank you, Courtney. Thank you, Ty. Thank you for joining us today. I really appreciate everything that you shared and everything you're doing to help startup founders um, you know, with PPP and also with of your customers trying to get through this difficult time of covid and coronavirus in the world so thank you for doing what you do and thank you for you know inciting some knowledge and and also never giving up all right so it it's the end of our podcast again but before we we depart here i wanted to share that our application is opened you could be the next sheer share so just go to startupofyear.com and click to apply it, it's a simple form, and you can share, fill it out, and um, save the results. And what it'll do is it allow you to get involved in the program, which could give you not only opportunity to compete at our summit, which is in November. Uh, it'll be an online summit this year, and and potentially uh, a chance at being named start of the Year, which gets you in front of investors and potentially gets you investment from us and others. But it also allows you a chance to be a part of some of our other programs, like our our daily Deal Flow newsletter, which goes out to investors daily, uh, week on weekdays that basically shares if you're raising funds maybe there's a chance to connect you with an investor or somebody else notable that could be a customer so that's a really good opportunity there and then also throughout the year where we're doing these these pop-up pitch events like the one that I mentioned that's happening on July 23rd that one's focused on US veterans but there's going to be others in the future as well so you want to get in that pool you want to get get it applied as soon as possible so go to startupofyear.com of and apply now and be a part of this program as we continue to push ahead and march towards our summit in the second part of the year. All right, so with that, thank you all so much for joining. I'm Frank Gruber, I'm your host. Keep uh safe out there and and be well, and, and thank you for joining.
0: Thanks for listening to the Startup of the Year podcast. Be sure to subscribe, and we'll be back with another episode soon.